0: This is the Salted Carmel Podcast. Thank you again for joining us, our many listeners. My name is David Cook. I'm the Stewardship Director at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And with me is just a parishioner. Jodie Curtis. <laughs> you like that,
1: Jody? That's me. Just a parishioner.
0: She wanted to be beautifully simple. I don't know. Uh, Jody. who is our guest today?
1: Our guest today is Megan Morton. Megan, thank you for joining us today. And tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to Our Lady of Mont Carmel.
2: Okay. Thank you for having me. I'm Megan Morton. I'm also just a parishioner.
1: <laughs> just
2: a <laughs> and- <laughs> I grew up here in Carmel. I have belonged to Arley Mount Carmel uh, since I was baptized there. Oh. Nice. And attended school there when I was in fourth grade and fifth grade and otherwise Carmel public schools. And now I have three of my four kids are attending Arley Mount Carmel. So we'll a uh, boy will be fifth grader. No, wait. He'll be a sixth grader. Oh, Parker man. will be a sixth grader. Chase <laughs> will be a fifth grader. Miss Sage will be in second grade. And then I have a four-year-old who goes to preschool at St. Elizabeth Seat.
0: Nice. nice. Wow. So you've you've been around the parish a long time. You've seen a lot of things, huh?
2: Been around a a long time, yes. Uh, <laughs> seen many things. I remember my dad driving us down 146th Street and it was two lanes. And <laughs> they started to build this big shopping plaza with a marsh. Long, long ago, and we just couldn't <laughs> believe it. So uh-huh. crazy uh, to see how things have changed. But I feel like, besides some uh, cosmetic changes, Our Lady is still pretty much the same. Yeah.
0: Amen. Yeah. Uh, do you have you been involved in any ministries uh, during that time that you are passionate about?
2: Most of what I've been involved in is through school, yeah. and I love volunteering at school. And all the immense amount of opportunities that they have to volunteer. Uh, I was involved the last pre- few pe- previous years with the mothers' mass and brunch, mm. and uh, I've been involved as I can with the s- sports ministry. So my husband coaches anything and everything he <laughs> can. So we love to spend a lot of time there. And
0: um, is your sixth grader a big sports guy?
2: My sixth grader and well really they they all are but okay. they are they're already uh, practicing for tackle football that started a few weeks ago and going over the plays in our backyard and uh uh-uh. uh-uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yes so and we're just finishing up baseball you know so it all flows into the next season yeah, yeah got to keep active
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome. well let's uh let's rewind before all the kiddos what what was your life like with your dad driving you to the church <laughs> what was your faith like like and Like, kind of before you made it your own.
2: Okay. How about that? Yes, absolutely. So, growing up, grew up as a cradle Catholic, always attended Mass. Uh, Everything, we did everything, like any other typical, I think, family growing up in the 70s, early in the 80s and 90s. So, Christ was always in my life. Mm -hmm. I was... uh, Always went to confession, did all the things I was supposed to do and then uh, I think that, like so many typical uh, cradle Catholics, when I went off to purdue uh, I didn't I was not attending mass and so I feel like Christ had always been a part of my life, and I was doing what I was supposed to do, kind of like checking off the boxes. Mm-hmm. And there were times that I felt it, that really, uh, I felt connected with Christ like growing up, Uh, but it wasn't really until after I was out of Purdue, and I lived in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, right after Purdue, and then lived in West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, my husband Bill was down there too, and we worked hospitality hours, so a lot of times I'd be off Sunday, but he'd be working, and Mm -hmm. I started going to St. Edward's Catholic Church in Palm Beach, and uh, I think maybe at first, because I thought I might see some, like, of the Kennedy family there or something, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I started, like, I really and I really started to enjoy it, and it felt very much like I was at home, very comforting. And I think that it was because it, I was making the choice. Mm-hmm. I wasn't kind of going because I was supposed to go. I was going because yeah. it, it was now—that was like the first step, I think, in Christ becoming the center of, of my life instead of just what I was supposed to be doing as a child.
0: It's a big distinction. Yeah. Yeah does so a matter whatever it takes to get you through the door if it's a possible Kennedy sighting. Right?
1: You know, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's a new one. The Lord I will think. use it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then we uh, we moved, We actually we missed the Midwest, so we left the sunny, palm tree filled streets of South Florida for uh, good old Carmel, Indiana, <laughs> and uh, started going to St. Elizabeth Seton. <laughs> Uh my husband, Bill, at the time was he was not Catholic. He grew up Christian. And uh we got married at early Mount Carmel. And then like a year or so afterward, uh he just kind of decided one day he was gonna go through through RCIA and mm. would I be his sponsor? Sure, wow. of course. And we belonged to St. Louis Seat, and I think just because probably me again being like an independent, wanting to do my own nice. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, picked uh, St. Elizabeth Seton and my, my husband really liked it there. So I thought, well, this will will belong here. And yeah. uh, so I learned a lot that I'm sure lots of people say this, that went to Catholic schools or grew up Catholic. When you go through RCIA, you're kind of looking at everything with a yeah. different set of eyes. and. Right.
0: Just more matureized. Yeah. You know, more mature. Like yeah. Up you don't care about all the things. And now you, like, as an adult, you go back to RCIA and you're like, oh, this all makes sense. You know? Yep. Know. That's what I would say.
2: Yeah. So that was when I feel like a, lo- a lot of the change was ha- or maybe even more like me kind of like coming mm-hmm. back home, but mm-hmm. uh, it had to. I guess it had to be my idea or something. I'm sure my parents would Uh, totally agree with that. But, uh, and I, so we uh, were members at St. Elizabeth Seton until they uh, announced that they were not going to build a Catholic school. And we had already decided we really wanted our kids to go to Catholic school. So, just, I think the next morning, Bill went to the parish office and was like, we're members at Our Lady now. So... (laughs) Uh, so I don't even that would probably be eleven or twelve years ago or so. Wow. Yeah. so yeah,
0: that's yeah. unreal. so what what has your life like been in those eleven or twelve years living as your faith is your own?
2: well, i it has been it, I think it when I'm living, uh, I guess I would say like in grace, I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Uh, I feel like full. like I've got mm-hmm. the full cup. And doing what I'm supposed to be doing, uh, and all, most of those years ha- have been I, I was a parent, so that's a whole different, con- yeah, yeah, a whole different ball game <laughs> from trying to just go to church as a child. Then really learning about my faith and my kind of learning my new faith identity, and then mm. seeing like you know the the miracle of. Uh, life and now being responsible for raising hopefully four good little catholic kiddos yeah. Yeah.
0: Amen.
2: <laughs> yeah so i um i believe i always had kind of glimpses of my personal relationship with christ or my spiritual uh, identity when i was growing up so i spent pretty much every minute I could outside in the forest behind our house. And uh, I still really thrive when I have a lot of solitude. And I now know that's because that's kind of like the spiritual time for me or Mm -hmm. when my head would kind of clear out. But when I was little, I would go out in the woods like all day, and I would pray, and I'd be like talking out loud to Jesus and All the animals that I thought were like all my friends. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that was whenever I was like upset or sad, I don't know that I why I didn't necessarily feel comfortable like praying in my room. I don't I didn't want to did some like was my sister gonna hear me, or I don't know why. I was just comfortable outside. So that's where I'd always like run to if I was upset about something and needed to ask for God's help or guidance. So uh when I lived in Cincinnati. And this was before I started going back to mass mm-hmm, regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just like a few months, I'd say out of Purdue. And uh, I went f- for a big hike one day out in the woods, and the the sound of cars and everything's fading away. I'm kind of like going into like the little happy forest mode. And all of a sudden I just like I just like stopped and started like sobbing. And crying, and I was like, I know, I know. I was like, I miss you too. I was like, I know it's you, oh. Jesus. So, oh. I, so somehow I listened to him when I'm out in the woods. I don't know, uh-huh. but um, I like distinctly remember, like, okay, I, you're right. I like, I know. And then I felt like, oh, like I had been missing that, oh. and that was, uh, I'm so glad he came to. A, Kirk my soul up out in the woods, but um, I, like, specifically remember that. And that's still – that's, like, I'll uh, I don't I mean, a lot of my friends know I go to Cool Creek Park pretty much every morning after carpool drop off. Wow. <laughs> and I go have my, like, quiet, like, wow. moving prayer time, I guess. Oh, um, nice. So uh, that was, I guess, like, one of my concrete moments, mm. I would say. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I love that you – Just talked about moments of solitude and having your alone time with God, because I've heard that you're a little bit famous for something you wrote that was the opposite of having moments of solitude. Tell our listeners about that.
2: Uh, I guess you're talking about my blog post I wrote um, long, long ago when I just was a Mom with the three crazy little kids running around who had no clue what she was doing. <laughs> um, yes, I wrote uh, just on like a personal blog, just kind of a online journal kind of format. Uh, I was not tech savvy at all. Uh, called Mommy Somebody Needs You. And it was just about um, my mom perspective of like I'm up all night. I am like everyone's like pooping and fighting <laughs> and i'm exhausted and uh just things are crazy i mean everyone knows like those those early years but um i not so much with my first two but with my third baby i had really found the to enjoy like being up in the middle of the night and looking holding her and like looking at the snow and i and i know it's fleeting mm-hmm. And, but you don't know that, you know, when you're, like, the new mom. You think, like, is it going to be like this forever? Right. They're never going to sleep. Right. Um, so I just kind of, like, poured my heart out in a little post that I thought, like, just my friends were going to read. So um, – but it resonated with lots of people, and it got – it was shared all over the world and translated into hundreds of languages. And I still so – I how many years is that? Seven years ago. So I still get messages, um, people saying that they shared it with their daughter who had a new baby. So that was like for me, I mean, I felt like that was such a contribution that I had no clue. So really it was such a like blessing to me to think that maybe I just helped somebody who was like having that bad day or exhausted and they could read that and think like, oh there's there's another mom out there who hasn't washed her hair in two days and <laughs> doesn't know, you know, where when she'll fall asleep again. And so that was really like such an honor that um, it resonated with people all
1: around the world. I love it. Megan, I also understand that you were previously diagnosed with cancer. Tell us about that and how that impacted your faith life.
2: Okay. Yes, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a uh, cancer in the lymphatic system. So it's a systemic cancer. uh, And it's considered a blood cancer like leukemia or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was diagnosed with that when I was 28 weeks pregnant with my youngest, Archer, who is now four years old. And uh, it, interestingly enough, I would say did not really impact my my relationship with Christ or my faith. I already had it pretty much. I was feeling pretty strong and sturdy in my faith at that point. So I didn't feel like I never really got angry or why me or I just felt like I and maybe I just told myself this, but yeah. I felt like I had like a mission and Uh, If I were to choose to accept it, which I was, and I was going to like beat cancer and help other people because uh, God had given me the ability to or the gift to be able to write, to reach people like they're talking to somebody in a conversation as opposed to something that um, was hard to understand. And also, I'm just kind of never afraid to go out and do crazy things when I'm bald or – Try my. I mean, my favorite thing in the world is embarrassing my husband, Bill. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe he wants to use me to kind of show the other side of the real side of what someone yeah. might be like and their family might be like going through cancer. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be all sad. And, of course, it was and scary yeah. at times. But overall, um, I wanted to just, like, live Life every day, not, I had no intention of my life ending uh, anytime soon, but I was like, well, uh, it's, you know, Parker's birthday and it's this and that. Like, why, why be sad? I mean, every life is still going on and this will just be a a phase and Mm. that we'll grow from and we'll only be better because of it. and, And the kids are, I think they have no idea like how resilient. They are, what skills and uh, mm. things they learn through that. But uh, it was full of lots of opportunities that were great. And hopefully, I was able to kind of sometimes even make people feel pretty uncomfortable when you're <laughs> bald and maybe have drawn the Charlie Brown like jack o' lantern oh. <laughs> on the back of your head. And it's just, I think it, <laughs> I felt kind of compelled maybe or like I was supposed to just go out and just be a happy person. And nice. uh, and it was like, conf- it, I feel like it really confused a lot of people. They, I would get, lo- oh, I got lots of like comments, but I'd get lots of like looks like people were just, I I don't know. They were just, it was hard to imagine. You could be bald and have cancer and just be like out, happy. you know, dancing with your friends or out with the, your kids and like laughing or like blaring music with the windows down. So I thought maybe it was kind of good to make everyone a little uncomfortable and see uh, that you can be going through something and make the best of it. So uh, I don't think it, like, necessarily changed me. And actually, I had, speaking of opportunities, a great opportunity to meet Chuck Pagano, who's a a leukemia survivor. So we were in the same blood cancer tribe. And he had written a book and um, he had Bill and I go down like on the field before the Colts game, which was like the best. Um, But I like am obsessed with his quote, uh, circumstances don't make you, they reveal you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So it's like, I'm not this way or that because of something that happened to me, Mm -hmm. but this, you know, shows who I am, who we are, like, you know, my family. So that's a good one to like use, on your kids too yeah, when yeah. kind of like, well, what yeah. are you, how are you going to react? Like, yeah. who are we going to see mm-hmm. today or yeah. what, cho- you know. Wow. I love it. I love That's it. smart.
1: <laughs> so David, I think our action plan for this week is to remember the quote that Megan learned from Coach Pagano that said, circumstances don't make you, they reveal you. And yeah. is a good reminder for us to think about in in difficult times or in joyous times, right? To to look for the good and and to be thankful for who we are and where we are and and who we are with, and to choose joy in our day. So
0: and always use it on your kids.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I like that too. So,
0: um, as always, let's end with a prayer. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, thank you for Megan. Thank you for her life and her family. Thank you for reaching out to her in the solitude. Thank you for giving her so much joy, so much energy to do your work and just to make people uncomfortable so they can see things a little bit differently. Lord, help us all to to embrace the uncomfortability this week as we try to grow closer to you and grow closer to our friends and family. We ask this all in your name as we pray. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you guys all for listening and
1: stay salty.